Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Persist podcast. I'm so excited to be joined today by my friend, Kathleen Brennan, who happens to be the president of Teamsters 1932. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am honored, as always, Denise, to be asked to be anywhere with you talking. We are just like-minded spirits, and I love it. So thank you. That means a lot. I'm so uh, thrilled that you said yes, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. And as you know, the Persist Women's Political Engagement Conference at UCR is entering our fifth year this fall. It's coming up October 29th and 30th. And one of our main messages is that political engagement is much broader than just running for office or working for an elected official. You're a fantastic example of this, as you have extensive experience in advocacy and organizing related to your labor union. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your path into being the Teamsters 1932 president. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I got involved because as a San Bernardino County employee, um, our contract negotiations, every contract up until about two, well, until we became Teamsters, there was nothing but takeaways. And um, I, I would look around and I would talk with my fellow county employees and there were so many single moms that um, we're literally having to make a decision on whether or not to put gas in their tank or food on their table. They were using all their sick leave, vacation leave, because they just couldn't afford to even go to work. And I thought, there's something wrong with this, right? We're the largest county in the country. Why are we the lowest paid? And, you know, so I, I started to get involved with the union and um, we the affiliation was happening with the Teamsters. And I come from a Teamster family like yourself. So I was very, very well aware of Teamsters and their power. And um, so I just, I, I knew I had to do something about it and go out and just get on the, you know, phone and face-to-face with my coworkers and just tell them, look, guys, this is a path to how we start resolving these issues, not just for us county employees, but for everybody in this region. You know, they're, at, you know, everybody knows we were at the race, the race to the bottom, right? Like every other city around us. And I just was like, we've got to stop this. There's got to be a way to make fundamental changes so that we're not struggling, you know, to make it ends meet and that people are thriving. And, you know, this should be the greatest, you know, county in the the country. And that's how I really got involved was just, I was so frustrated and I hated seeing my coworkers suffering. Um, I, I drove down baseline every day to work and I would just see what you see going down baseline and it was heartbreaking. And every morning on my way to work to a very good job, I work in IT with the county. So I was one of the lucky ones. I would just always say a little prayer to myself, like, God, if there's a way I can help make a difference in this area and in these people's lives, help me do that. I don't know how to do it, but just help me. And then, then, then come the affiliation with the Teamsters. And it was like, almost like it was meant to be, you know, Mm -hmm. I I get goosebumps thinking about it because the minute I met Randy Corgan, I started to go on the internet and look into who he was and his mission statement basically said it all to me. It said, my mission is to genuinely help others without a self, selfish intent by complying with the values that improves lives, no matter how insignificant it may seem. And I thought, wow, that's what it's about. So <laughs> yeah. I, everything was meant to be. It really was. I just asked to be in the right place at the right time. And, and I think that was answered. That is incredibly powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And there's a lot of people out there, I imagine, who don't know much about labor unions and Teamsters in particular. So can you please tell us a bit more about Teamsters 1932, the work that you all oh my do, goodness. and why being I'll start a member with of this. a union And it was um, a statement that Jimmy Hoffa uh, made years ago, and he said, the best example of equality and justice in the workplace is a union contract. 
period. Yes. That really sums it up. Um, unions really are the, the groups that level the playing field. Um, there are studies, don't take my word for it, but when union density is low, income inequality is high. And that's where we're at right now. We're at a very low union density and it's all by design. We're going to talk about that later with Right to Work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> income inequality has skyrocketed because of it. And unions are so, so instrumental in leveling that playing field and making sure that everyone gets a livable wage. They have rights in the workplace. They have good benefits. So, you know, at plain and simple, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy said it the best, just mm-hmm. example of equality and justice in the workplace. It's a union contract and, and it's critical. We've got to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Talking a bit more specifically about Teamsters 1932, Recently, uh, I was thrilled to participate in the Belief Walk in Redlands with you all and the Women's Committee. I know that there's also an active LGBTQ committee. Talk to us a bit more about like the role of these groups within Teamsters and um, yeah, just the history and how they function. Absolutely. Um, we, have, uh, we have the National Black Caucus, Teamsters National Black Caucus. We have our own Hispanic Caucus at Teamsters Local 1932, the LGBTQ and the Women's. Um, and the, the idea is, and always has been, is to give everybody um, an equal seat at the table. You know, everybody needs to have an equal voice. Everybody needs to have an equal seat. And these caucuses and committees help ensure that that is happening and that those issues and concerns are being addressed and that people are, you know, um, you know, issues aren't going unheard or unanswered. And, um, and it's really to foster that brotherhood, that fellowship, you know, and that's, it's so important, you know, and, um, I'll tell you, not many people know, but Jimmy Hoffa went to the South to organize and they said they wouldn't have two separate halls. They want one for blacks and one for whites. And he walked out of that organized, basically walked away from organizing the South because he said, we're not doing that. That's not who we are. It's not what we're about. We're about making sure that everybody has an equal seat. We're brothers and sisters, regardless of color, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of religion, you know, and that's how we move forward is, you know, in solidarity as one. Um, yeah, that's really, to sum it up, all the committees and caucuses, you know, I've had people come to me and ask me why there's not a white caucus. And I'm just like, in plain and simple, it's, you know, and I, and I explain this as best I can is, you know, you built the table, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, the table. you know what I mean? You've been at the table, you've kind of owned the table. Now we just want everybody to have an equal part and an equal, you know, seat at that mm-hmm. table. With you. So that's yeah. I hope I did a good job explaining that and that it doesn't, you know, I don't want to certainly don't want to offend anybody, but we just want to bring that awareness that um, people don't have an equal voice yet in this country. You mm-hmm. know, people aren't being, we, there's issues that we need to address and there's issues that we can fix. But we got to come together, acknowledge them and work towards some, you know, powerful solutions, obviously. Yeah, you did a great job of explaining that. And and obviously, like most industries, labor unions, I believe, have historically been white male dominated, right? And yeah. so yeah. it's really important to have these um, diversity caucuses, these affinity groups to, to really let people know that there's a seat at the table for them as well. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's a selfish plug, but we have a, we have a, we, a Hoffa is the first time in uh, over 20 years he won't be running for office. We have a new new slates running, and in one of them, there are five women, which is the first time ever, LGBTQ, Hispanic, Black. It is, it's going to be amazing. 
you know, moving forward. Our union is definitely headed in the right direction. And I couldn't be prouder to be here at this day and time. Yeah, I'm so excited to see that. Me too. Me too. I know that um, there's always so much going on at the local level and the national level with Teamsters. What are some of the most pressing issues for the Teamsters right now? Oh boy, one word, Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) At our last uh, convention, our 30th convention, um, they passed a resolution um, to basically um, uh, to organize Amazon to, to make this our focal point um, and Randy Corrigan, our secretary treasurer, is the actual national director um, of this project. Um, so it's it's a lot, you know, and our local is very, obviously, local 1932 is kind of the, the foundation of it. Um, but, you know, he the goal is to make sure that, you know, we want good middle class jobs. We want sustaining wages, health care, retirement, safe working environments. Um, we want all those workers to have the same opportunities that union workers have always had. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's a meaningful fight, you know, and like Randy says, you know, it's the Amazon is a behemoth, but we, we've got to take it on and we have to come together in solidarity. And that's the only way we're going to get it done is realizing that these workers deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. And they're just not, you know, mm-hmm. so much evidence of that. And, you know, it's just the, de- the dehumanizing working conditions are facing the low pay, you know, it's just, it's sad, you know, there's, they come into communities, they make promises, but there's no impact. They have no impact, no positive impacts on those communities, right? And, you know, what they do end up doing is they leave these communities to deal with the effects, the noise effects, traffic, air, um, you know, and it's just, it's horrific. You know, it's not just the, the conditions on the workers, but it's the community as well, that they come in and they just pretty much take advantage um, you know, and they insulate themselves from that responsibility and liability by hiring third-party companies, you know, to absorb the burdens and the deliveries. And it's just sad, you know, we have to put an end to it. And it, and it affects all, you know, jobs in the industry. You know, it, it lowers the wages of, you know, our freight drivers and warehouse workers that have been in good union jobs, right? So it, it's going to have a negative impact, impact on everybody if we don't do something right now and make mm-hmm. sure happen. Absolutely. And this is actually, this topic has come up a few times on the podcast from different angles, right? Talking about um, the environmental impact of the logistics industry in this region of Inland Southern. Terrific. Yep. Yeah. Um, And thank you for talking about the poor working conditions, right? I don't think we shed light on that enough. And I'm, I'm glad that the Teamsters are focusing on this, hugely important to our region. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's going to, it can destroy everything that Teamsters have built up over decades for these you know, um, industries. And we, it's just enough's enough. You know, we have to protect those workers and protect those that are already in these good jobs as well. Right. So, and that's our goal really, it's just to help each other out. You know, it's, it's how this world works. It's how it's supposed to work. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Let's shift gears a bit and talk about sure. what you alluded to earlier in the show, uh, right to work laws. This is a very hot topic and an important topic as it relates to unions. And and I'd love to hear more about what they are and why they're detrimental for unions. Absolutely. The the term itself, right to work, sounds great. You know, it has a catchy sound. It sounds like it would be a good thing. But we have a quick term that we say right to work for less because it's really what it is. 
Um, you know, uh, there, if you look at all the right to work states, there's literally no good benefits. Um, in fact, one of the most shocking uh, percentages that you'll find in a right to work state is that they have a 49% higher death rate. They oh. have, yeah, yeah. It, that, now that took my breath away when I first started looking into it and, you know, they, we were teaching classes at the local about this and, um, you know, in their 21% fewer health benefits. I mean, the numbers are shocking, you know, there's just literally no good benefits. Um, and it's just wrong. And the origins of right to work, our website, we have some videos that do a great job explaining it. We have a great video that Randy did of this, the map of the United States that show what right, right to work did to this country in regards to the union density mm-hmm. and speaks volumes. And I, I just can't do it justice talking about it, but right to work was started in 1941. There's a gentleman, Vance Muse. He was a well-known racist and bigot, and um, he worked with the plantation owners and the Southern industrialists to um, come up with this right to work, right, to to combat this equality. And how dare our white brothers have to work with women, people of color, you know, and just goes on and on, right? And it was just horrific. If you really look into why right to work was started, it was to allow these white men to continue to flourish and, you know, continue to have these good paying jobs and to literally keep everybody else from achieving that. So, um, it, you know, for us, it's, it's a real personal thing. Um, it goes everything against what Teamsters stand for, obviously. And um, it, it's just, you know, the one good thing I can tell people, and it's, there's so much great history. Like I said, there's videos on our website, Teamsters Local 1932, um, because of the right to work movement in the forties, really what inspired the civil rights movement. You know, and unions and MLK got together and they worked together because they realized there was a a serious issue uh, in the workplace. Uh, People with, you know, equality and justice. And, you know, uh, not a lot of people know that the famous speech, I Have a Dream, was given at a march for jobs and freedom. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it's we're all connected. It's all connected. So, I mean, yes, right to work is wrong and it's horrible. We're fighting it still today with Janice. But out of it came some really good stuff, right? The civil rights movement and, um, you know, it woke people up and we realized that, you know, this movement was a movement of segregation, you know, inequality. They didn't want people to be equal. And um, it, it woke a lot of really good people up. And if you really do your your research into right to work, you realize it's based on Jim Crow laws. And it goes back to all of that. And it's just disgusting. And it will turn your stomach They'll make you sick. And then when you look at these states that are right to work and you these percentages, facts, 49% higher death rates, 21% fewer health benefits, their, their wages are 22% lower. It's mm-hmm. and it's sad. And you see, you know, it, it's just, there, there's nothing good in these right to work states, you know, and it's just, it's all by design. And it's, it's something that, you know, we're very passionate about. Janice was another arm of right to work. Um, and it sadly was passed and luckily we've been able to educate our members enough on, on that, you know, premise of right to work and what it really was meant to do. And if, if you agree with that, then you're basically hurting yourself. You're voting against your own interest and, you know, the workers' rights, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could go on and on. I, I just feel like I'm not doing it justice here, but no, no, that was great. And I think a lot of people know very little about this. And so that was a helpful introduction. And like you said, on the Teamsters 1932 website, there are some really comprehensive videos. So I encourage Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, when the map, when we show the map of union density and what right to work has done to union density, density in this country, you won't be shocked to know that the South completely evaporated in mm-hmm. union density. And it started there. And that's, it speaks volumes. It's, you know, facts are there. You know, we know why it was, what the intent was, and it's worked. It's worked very well. If you go in the South, it's, you know, the, the conditions down there, as opposed to California, night and day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. And it's just, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. You know, and I, and I forgot to mention too, um, when we were talking about our committees and why they're so important, I didn't know until I got involved in the unions and I started understanding about the uh, rights that people have in this country more than half of our states in this country do not have protections for LGBTQ plus. Right. You can be discriminated against in the workplace and it's completely okay. And it's completely legal. That is, that's got to change. Right. You know, that's one of the main reasons too. We're, you know, but I, I mean, it's shocking in 2021 yeah. that that is the case, but that yeah. is the case, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we have, you know, HR uh, five, the equality act bill out there and, you know, let's see what happens with that. But I mean, it's, we've got to make these changes. Like we've mm-hmm. got, to stop, you know, we've got to start protecting workers. We've got to, we've got to start protecting the middle class, you know? Yeah. So. That's a great segue into my next question, actually. You got it. Um, when I talk about my own political journey, I always start by saying that I was raised in a union household. My mother and grandfather worked for Teamsters 995 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I spent time at the union hall as well as on the picket lines of the Las Vegas Strip growing up. One thing that I always add is that we often receive tickets and invitations to political events. So I grew up watching Bill and Hillary Clinton and others speak at UNLV and on the Strip. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of the connection between those in labor unions and those in elected office? You know, it, it goes hand in hand, um, you know, it, going through, and again, you know, you just, you can go back through history and you can do your own research, um, you know, um, labor and our elected officials have always worked together to bring about you know, like FMLA, OSHA, you know, worker protections. And with, well, now we're hoping that they work with us with, in regards to Amazon, we're playing with these, you know, um, cities, city governments to please, you know, let's let's enforce some community benefit agreements with Amazon. Let's stop giving away this corporate welfare, right? Let's let's hold these big businesses accountable, make them pay their fair share, and protect the communities that they're doing business in, right? So part of that, you know, and, and I know a lot of our our members kind of get frustrated. Why are we spending so much time at these, you know, city council meetings and these board of supervisors, and and it's because we we have to push and make sure that we are all working to make sure that we're protecting the interests of the communities and the families and the workers, you know, and working together to get that done is, it's the only way forward. And, you know, looking back when union density was at its highest, um, there was a lot of really good legislation that came about with the unions and elected officials. And, you know, it, it we were able to get a lot accomplished working together because we have a political action campaign. Mm-hmm manager and we have her for a reason right yeah when we see issues in the community she goes out and she will you know um talk with these elected officials and say hey we need to make these changes like right now we have an issue with our i think i spoke with you a little bit about it you know the the children in foster care mm-hmm. some legislation that was passed recently that unfortunately it has some good benefits but it also has had some negative benefits so now we have to work with those legislators we have to go to sacramento and we have to talk and we have to say, look, you know, we, we've got to make these changes because some of these foster homes 
are being unnecessarily shut down, the good ones, the good ones. So we want to make sure that we work with them and make them understand that these, you know, we represent those workers, the social workers. We represent a lot of those folks. We have a lot of intricate knowledge that we can share with those elected officials and say, hey, these are some changes that we see that need to be made that could be beneficial. And here's how and here's why. So, yeah, it's, it's more than just working to benefit our our next negotiation for our contracts. It's about making sure that our workers that work in those fields also, you know, can see improvements being made, you know. Yeah. And they're the best. Who, who best to, to hear from than the people in the field, mm-hmm. day to day, hand in hand with these, you know, um, foster homes and with these kids. They see it. They know what the needs are. So it's our job to bring those forward and work with those elected officials to make sure we bring about those, those fundamental changes that yeah. would be helpful. That's a great answer. Thank you so much. And I oh, you're think welcome. people don't often understand that there are so many different sectors that yeah. are represented by unions, right? And yes. should be at the table when decisions are being made on the dais, right? At the Absolutely. local level, at the county level, at the state level. So thank you for outlining that for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to ask you this next question, Kathleen. <laughs> do, you, do you have an accomplishment that you're most proud of thus far in your career? <gasps> It's a tough one. Um, it's and I can't say it's my accomplishment because nothing we do in the union is ever by ourselves, right? It's collective bargaining, you know. Mm-hmm. I am proud. The the thing I think I can I literally after this we accomplished this, I was like, if I died today, I, I died very happy, very fulfilled. We were able to negotiate and work with the county to um, allow them to help us finally transform our own teamster health and welfare. Um, program for our members. Um, And in that, we were able to create a pathway to um, regaining some medical retirement for our workers. I'll tell you what, when I first met Randy, the very first conversation we had, we talked about that. And he said to me, why, why did you guys allow this to happen? And it kind of shook me because I didn't realize that I owned some responsibility in that we all did as workers, because the union is about each one of us doing our part. We have to collectively come together to achieve, you know, and we sat, we got into this mindset of, oh, we we pay our dues and the union should just wave a magic wand and things should just happen. Right. And so once we started to understand that we needed to come together and help each other out and work together, we were able to accomplish this health and welfare trust. And we now finally just had a vote to create a pathway to medical retirement. And we haven't had that in almost 30 years in the County of San Bernardino. And one of the reasons I ran to be on this board was I had uh, a couple of coworkers, one of them, um, I'll never forget her. I went to her desk the day she left her doctor's appointment and she was asking me if she should retire. And I said, well, why, why would you be questioning that? She said, well, I don't have medical retirement and the cost is very extreme, but I think my cancer's back and I really want to spend time with my grandkids. And I said, look at, you know, it, do what you have to do. Time is more important. Money, you know, we'll figure something out. Maybe there's a way you can, you know, And so unfortunately her cancer was back and she didn't live very much long after that. And I thought this woman dedicated over 35 years of her life to the County of San Bernardino. She was a programmer and some of the programs she wrote are still in place today. This County going and moving. And I thought she deserved better than that. And to be able to be a part of something and to help make help work towards getting this accomplished to me is one of my, I'll be honest with you. I can't think of anything other than just making sure that everyone's taken care of and protected and safe and, 
you know, we continue going down the right road and the county continues to, you know, to thrive and the employees continue to thrive. I can't think of anything better that I've been able to be a part of accomplishing is that health and welfare program and making sure that people can retire in dignity and respect, period. Like I, 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 um, and I, and I want that for everybody. It doesn't end with just our members, to be quite honest with you, Denise. Mm -hmm. And at some point in time, I do see this reaching out and helping everybody. We know how to do it. I see us being able to help everybody accomplish the same thing because it's completely, it's doable and it should, it should never have gone away. We should have always maintained it. And there's, you know, we should all, everybody should have that ability to to retire with dignity and respect. You work your life. You should be able to do that. I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because this, this has impacted my family in a very personal way. Um, right. Just my mom being able to retire from the Teamsters and, and have medical health care has been uh, a game changer for our family. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing. Mine too. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. Mine too. I literally, Denise, I, you know, my dad has always said to me, you got to change that. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You guys got to change that. And so I've always, you know, again, you know, I'm not, I, I was raised strict Catholic and um, I always keep the Franciscan benediction above my phone at work. Um, mm-hmm. And it, the very last paragraph of that is, and may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all of our children and the poor. And wow. I, I, there's more to it than that, but that last paragraph, I've always believed in that. Like, People tell me, oh, that's, and, and I was told that when I ran to be on the board that, oh, we'll never get our retirement back. You're wasting your time. I've been here for 30 years. Nothing's ever going to change. And if I listened to that and believed it, I never would have been able to work with Randy and work with the board and work with our amazing staff at Teamsters Local 1932 to get it done. Never would happen, right? Randy too, he, he's the same. He's such an optimist. And look, there's, if you can, you know, together we can get, we can achieve anything. Nothing's impossible. Literally nothing's impossible. We just have to believe and come together and get it done. Yeah, I mean, that that's a huge accomplishment, truly. It is. Um, for so many people. And you're right, it has a ripple effect. It's not just in Absolutely. Industry, this industry. Um, thank you so much for, for fighting for yeah. know, dignity. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Kathleen, this has been a powerful conversation. We always... <laughs> We always end the show with the same question. And that question is, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners, especially college students thinking about getting involved in the political arena, what would that be? When it comes to any kind of elected position, um, and this kind of comes from my mom and dad and my upbringing is don't run to be something, run to do something, something positive, something meaningful, be the change you want to see in the world, right? It's always comes back to that. Don't run to be something, run to do something. Meaning have a plan, you know, and, and go, go, don't give up, you know, don't let people tell you different. Just, just, you know, run because you're going to make that change. You're going to, you're going to be part of that change. So that would be my best advice. That is beautiful advice. And um, again, thank you so much for a really thoughtful and insightful conversation. I I enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, Kathleen Brennan, president of Teamsters 1932. Thank you again, my friend. You know what, Denise, I have to end with this. I want to say thank you on behalf of all of Teamsters Local 1932, our members, always being a partner with us and always, you know, looking out for the best interest of workers and your constituents. I've 
been totally amazed and impressed by you, Denise. You do what you, you say, what you're going to do. You do what you're going to, you know, you, you walk the walk, you talk the talk. And I couldn't be prouder to be your friend. And I'm honored that you asked me to be here today. So thank you. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot. I appreciate Absolutely. that. You're welcome. The Persist Podcast is hosted by me, Denise Davis, Director of the UCR Women's Resource Center, and is produced by Rosa Tejeda and the staff in the UCR Women's Resource Center. Check out our Instagram pages for links to more episodes at UCRWRC and at UCR Persist. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter, please email us at wrc at ucr.edu. We hope that this podcast inspires you and those around you to get involved in the political arena because we know that who is at the table absolutely matters. Finally, if you have any ideas for who a future guest should be on the podcast, feel free to reach out and let us know.